1: And welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Will from What Culture, joined by the Dadley Boys of What Culture. Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Per hey! Views, Premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody really good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by a handful at Sidgwick's look ahead to Dynamite tonight. And we are what, Sid? a week and a half away from Revolution is sneaking up on us fast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the top programmes are really heating up. It doesn't necessarily excuse a few middling weeks at best. I still think they can be a little bit less patient with the build. I do think a lot of storylines that they are currently delivering don't need to be sagas. Andrade, Darby Allen, but you know what I mean? Like They know how to Make things feel special and momentous at the exact right time, even if they take their sweet time getting there.
2: Yeah, I am. Um, it didn't feel like in that slight uh, full gear to revolution lull that they were going to make it to this point. In truth, it doesn't feel that long ago that we were trying to put the card together and feeling like it was falling a little bit short. And then, not out of nowhere—that would be unfair. But out of a few small somethings, a lot of things have suddenly blossomed all at just the
1: right time. And it feels like most, if not everything, will be heated by the time they get there. Uh, One of the big things to look forward to tonight on the road to revolution is, of course, the tag team battle royale. We're going to have a casino battle royale next week. Sid, just to people who are confused a bit like me, what's the difference between the two?
0: A normal battle royale in AEW law, and we'll get on a law later, don't worry about that, is that <laughs> every team starts in the middle of the ring and it gradually thins out as members of both teams are tossed over the top rope and both feet touch the floor. Both members of the tag team have to be eliminated. Um, it's not that weird, wacky WWE rule where, like, oh, sorry, you're pissed piss out of luck because <laughs> your mates just got tossed. Um, And next week, if in fact it follows the format of Revolution 2021, the Casino Battle Royale is in fact a tag team Royal Rumble match. I don't understand why they don't just make the Casino Singles Battle Royales a Royal Rumble match because it's a a format you'd expect AEW would get a lot more out of than WWE at this point. And they obviously can't be too worried about infringement, about genre. Genres are fine, you just can't market them as Mm. the other company's ip they've done multi-man ladder matches and knock all the money that just do a royal rumble guys just do a goddamn royal rumble next time but no that is the crack and uh i suspect or i've been led to expect a joker next week but that is preview fodder for this time next week yeah
1: we fixed the royal rumble or the aw royal rumble on numerous occasions it's dead simple just do a big roulette wheel but they don't do that they do the weird cards and Oh, that bollocks and everyone just gets uh, merged together this is going to be far more exciting but let's talk about the tag team battle royal. i'll try and run you through all the teams uh, i may miss one or two off uh sig and then we'll go for your pick this week it's sort of weird we're gonna to have to say who's your pick for this week and not really touch on next week but i do want to get to a theory that uh handful has maybe posited but uh yeah the teams uh the dark order private party gun club best friends the young bucks the butcher and the blade santana and ortiz FTR and, of course, Red Dragon with the uh, winners advancing to that tag team trio's title match, basically. Um, who's your money on this week,
0: Sig? Red Dragon this week. Yeah. Um, and there's a reason why I think it's going to be Red Dragon this week and maybe not the Young Bucks next, but we'll expand upon that momentarily. Before I go into who's going to win them. the ramifications of next week, just a little talk or take on the prospective quality. AEW's done a tag team battle royal before, and it was absolutely sensational. It was in the halcyon days of February 2020. It's most memorable for um, Sammy Guevara's incredible bump off the super kick. So good, in fact, that it totally excused a flying nothing, which is essentially what he tried to hit, and it's the worst thing ever. But it was such a good bump that it just justified it. It was amazing. At least put your hands up like you're doing a, a, an axe handle smash yeah. or something like that. He didn't do that, but he did take pretty much the best bump I've ever seen in my goddamn life. What I'm arriving at is that that match was great. They've done singles battle royales, I think, on Winter is Coming, which was incredible, and then they've done singles battle royales, not including the casinos, which invariably are terrible, but they've done singles battle royales, which have been either really good or at least very resourceful and deft dovetailing in their quality even when the action isn't there the stories plural are and if you look at the acts involved in this match and the in the potential for interaction and if you look at how minimal the match card is in terms of the amount of matches i expect this to get time i expect this to be super dramatic there's a lot of overprotected teams in here and two of which haven't interacted in a dream scenario for like well over a year at this point so i'm really looking forward to that if they dedicate the time and if it doesn't really feel awkward, and it's it's always ambitious to do an incredibly great work rate battle royale just because of the moving parts. This has the potential, if not to be incredibly special as a match, then to be very resourceful and dramatic, pitting teams that you wouldn't expect to interact on television because they're a little bit stingy and measly mm-hmm. these days. I expect this to be really, really, really good, and I expect Red Dragon to get the win. If, in fact, the Young Bucks are going to win next week, because the presumed direction is they're doing a three-way match of the titles. It's all a bit reverse, backwards engineered um, to advance elite melodrama. The thinking is that the Young Bucks will win one of the matches. I expect them to win next week if, in fact, again, they win, with the idea being that they will probably at some point turn babyface and have some kind of help to um, work the Undisputed Era or the Paragon or whatever they're going by. And the idea being that if the Young Bucks have to struggle through two really lengthy matches, they can easily start next week, really babyface themselves, remember who they were before they got to AEW and were corrupted by Don Callis. And that could really foreshadow and tease a babyface turn. But we're not convinced that they are going ahead next week because Michael Hamford got a wonderful reply to one of his tweets and we had a little bit of a nerd out in the office earlier expanding on that tweet
2: yeah um it's really like just really shortly on this one it's a really nice field this i think it's nice every now and then to get um an advert for the tag division. As Cedric sort of points out, it's a way for them to have the cake and eat it in terms of Tony Khan being a little bit tight with the the bookings we get. It's so cool to see a graphic that features FTR and the Young Bucks and Proud and Powerful and Fish and O'Reilly, you know, and then the likes of 2.0 and the Best Friends and the Dark Order and Private Party, even like the Butcher and Dynamites the Blade. They're there to serve a purpose of just being thrown out to get another team over that might be on a run. But it's... As much a flex as any, that this division sometimes feels like a little bit wayward. But when you put them all together, you realise just how stacked it is, and respect them for being able to have this match. But yes, the, the take Cedric was referring to. So it sort of happened upon me the other day that um Revolution, theoretically, if the Young Bucks don't qualify, as I kind of think they won't next week, it's almost as if this triple threat or this trio's tag title thing. Or oh, it's not trio's, is it? it would be three way. Three-way, thank you, three-way dance. Um, It's too perfect. It's so neatly calibrated to feature Red Dragon and the Young Bucks on either side of the Jurassic Express that that's (coughs) almost too perfect. And the Young Bucks, or like next week's qualifiers will be a red herring. So it was my thinking that, oh, well, that's quite neat that two years after the revolution tag and after AEW was launched and has this greatest run in its company's period, the elite have kind of eaten themselves. Cody is gone. Kenny is hurt beyond repair. The Young Bucks can't even make it on the show. And the only guy from the group that gets on is the one guy who was first ostracized, the quiet man, who's now the world heavyweight champion. What a nice growth story for him. And all of them have got to learn their lessons about what it is to have power and how to use it well and all that sort of thing. And that was like an observation that might not even occur because the Young Bucks could win tonight or next week. However, we got a reply from Jim Archer, at Jim Archer PhD on Twitter, who said, Um, that he liked the idea of that because he liked the prospect of Adam Cole asking the Bucks to second him to ringside for his title match, which is, of course, against Adam Page. The stunning symmetry was drawn upon for the Paige-Omega match, which was uh, Paige asking the Young Bucks to join him for the Jericho match, which they didn't in the way that they always had done for Kenny, and that being the very first sign that things weren't all that they seemed in the Elite. If you remember those early days of Paige not running down to help the Elite was seen as teasing a Page heel turn, when in reality they were thinking so much further than the rest of us and so much far beyond that until we could see the, the pieces fitting. And what we got at the end of Full Gear the nod of respect between Matt Jackson and Hangman Page. What does that mean if and when Adam Cole asks the young books, do they now respect Page too much to do it? Are they a little bit afraid of Hangman Page to second Adam Cole? And this would be a justification for not putting the books on the show. If you recall, they said they couldn't help Page because they were going to be working. They had a ladder match. They thought they'd be too tired. When they seconded Kenny, it's because they were they were fit as a fiddle and they were ready to come out and help him. There'd be no justifiable excuse to say no to Adam Cole unless there was a Hangman Page-related reason. And this is that, these webs the elite weave that kind of, it's the positive end of their melodrama and sometimes their overthought stuff because it allows you a lot of fantasy booking avenues to take and it makes at least one of these tag battle royals
0: so much more unpredictable as a result. It's just, there's a lot of wonderful texture here as well because... I remember the discourse stemming from All Out 2019, which was a rave-received show. Um, It undone a lot of the shrugs directed towards Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. But there was one major criticism. um, It was that Escalera de la Muerte blew the world title match out of the water. If you go back and watch it, it's really well worked, and the crowd are actually hotter than you remember. But they were just so... But I'm watching that in retrospect in isolation as an actual experience it was like oh this is a worthy commendable effort really well worked between Paige and Jericho but this crowd were way higher for the AAA Tag team title match which is really counterintuitive to the fact that they were trying to build a world title with the first world title match but I think they were looking well beyond one night they probably realized like look this is a little bit awkward that main event might not resonate with as much gravitas as it could have ordinarily, but they, again, as Hamfield says, they're thinking well beyond we are. It was so deft how they did this. When the Young Bucks seconded Kenny Omega to the ring on those famous New Japan cards between 2017 and 2018 and very early 2019, the idea was they'd worked a junior tag team match or a tag team heavyweight match, either on the under or firmly in the mid card they theoretically had time to rest up from the match and put some ice bags on and go out and be Kenny's ally, his mate. And Escalera de la Muerte, they knew going into that match, that old Jim Ross corniness, they might not leave at the same. So if they'd completely battered their bodies in like a frightening adrenaline high spot festival that was that ladder match, they could theoretically just say like... Hangman was sorry we're, we're going to be beat up after that we can't even stand up. They obviously had to sell the injuries otherwise that match doesn't mean anything as well if you want to take it even deeper. Them not winning this nor next week takes away that genuinely reasoned excuse they had to not second Hangman Page which itself just added so much texture and like wonderful conflict to that whole sprawling saga because they had an excuse Hangman Page was right to feel abandoned and not as elite as Kenny Omega, which furthered his wonderful arc. So there's so much to play with if in fact the Young Bucks don't win. Are they going to tell that story? Do they feel that they need the Young Bucks on the card? Do the Young Bucks simply want to wrestle on pay-per-view because they love blowing away people on pay-per-view. Who the hell knows? But the fact that a lot of people are asking these questions and the fact that we are nerding out and expanding on those thoughts is such a credit to the booking and and the world they've created over the last however many years. And just one more thing. I cannot wait to see the Young Bucks and FTR work in this match. How they set it up, how they avoid setting it up. I'll even take the West Side Story stare down because it's just something they've really needed to go back to more, in my opinion.
1: I agree. Uh, I completely agree as well with the the pick for Red Dragon this week. Uh, Obviously, they were formed or reformed, I should say, in AEW. But then, obviously, uh, disappeared from view as Kyle O'Reilly went off for the birth of his daughter, child, child, child. Child. <laughs> um, which is great. Normalize that sort of thing, I say, uh, of blokes going off for you know longer periods of time. Rather, well, he's not. He's not having a baby. Yeah, it's twenty twenty two. Come on, get you right around. it. Um, so, and I think the beauty of this, and I think you'll agree, we'll, we'll talk more about this next week. Uh, if Red Dragon are victorious tonight, is the fact that yeah, with the the line of tag teams we've got here, it isn't Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, and then a Few other teams just making up the numbers. There's an argument to be made, like you say, that well, FTR could could be they wouldn't feel out of place, is what I'm saying. In this trip, what's it called? Not triple threat. Three-way, Three-way thank you. They wouldn't feel out of place if you had Jurassic Express, uh, Red Dragon, and let's say Proud and Powerful or Ftr. Like you say, it's it's not gonna be well, oh, this flute team just got in in place of the Young Bucks, and, and there's such an exciting story to tell. But for this week, at least, we'll go with we'll go with Red Dragon being the uh first of the two teams to head into that three-way tag team title match.
0: One more thing, because I love this. I hated it last week, but when, since I've seen the field, I love it now. I love the idea of them doing FTR and Red Dragon against a team in which Jungle Boy's a member because he's so good fighting from underneath. Mm. And having him work against like two heel-dying teams is just... That could be the moment that Jungle Boy really feels like a champion in AEW. Whilst we're still looking ahead to Revolution on this preview,
1: pamphlet, do you think tonight's the night we maybe get a, a sort of more formalisation of the match between Moxley and Danielson after what we saw last week? I, I don't team with someone unless I've bled with them first. I don't know. There's two Dynamites and two
2: Rampages remaining for us to get there, isn't there? And I'm not sure I want it done in four TV shows or two, realistically, with a couple of video packages. Uh, yes. Would be the typical answer because it's a program that they've obviously had their eye on from when Moxley came back. Um, they've been patient. They could do, they could realistically do the gentleman's wrestling match. Daniel uh, Daniel Bryan Bryan Danielson has been asking for. He asked for violence from Lee Moriarty, and there's been all these mentions of violence and viciousness and Moxley in his recounting of that story from the prior uh, from like their prior battle was so graceful <laughs> in the way he put over both Danielson as a guy that just loved to wrestle, but Danielson that was also a little bit of a bastard. Yeah. What a, what a cute thing that he got out of the taxi in his gear. What an awful thing that he just brutalised this young kid that wanted to have a dream match against one of his favourites, you know? So he kind of, like, created that perfect narrative that makes me think that they might attempt a first match with a couple of headlocks and handshakes, you know? Like, the sort of thing where they the violence only creeps in towards the end because Moxley is a different man now. And he says, he's kind of said last week tacitly, he thinks he can beat him. And that's not just in a fight, that's in a wrestling match. John Moxley has more to his arsenal than Brian Danielson realises. So if they are going to do the match, I don't really want them to escalate the hatred between them. I want uh, Danielson to, what about to say something like, I've listened to what Moxley said last week. It's, it's now in Danielson's case where he's got to try and win back the mental advantage. Moxley took that from him last week in a way that Danielson wasn't quite expecting. He thought, you know, he thought he, he thought that Moxley was stupid enough to just play checkers with. Moxley reminded him that he was playing chess, basically. So Danielson's got to be back in front of things mentally this week. What about if he says, you know what? Like Moxley reminded me how great it was to wrestle him once. I'd love to wrestle him again. It's with that glint in his eye because he thinks he can brutalize him on the night. And then it becomes quite a understated technical gem at the pay-per-view that. Brian can be like, "Look, we're going to show our future trainees just what they're going to learn when they come and work with the two of us." And then on the night, he sticks a bit of a dig in the eye, or something, or he rubs his boot over the side of his head, or something. And it's like, "Yeah, you're, you're not wanting a gentleman's match; you're wanting to have a yeah. dick contest. You wanted all along. I'd like them to be graceful with it if they're going to do it at all."
0: I have to echo that completely, and I will only round out that take with: they could do a spiritual sequel to Brett versus Owen. Mm. from Wrestlemania 10 where it's two men with profound respect for one another working a wrestling match that Danielson turns into a fight to teach Moxley a lesson say that's why you haven't recaptured the title or something to that effect but do the the wrestling match that mutates into something else when Danielson decides to be a complete cock and Mm. that that's sort of convinces Moxley, right, okay, I've lost a little bit of something. I need to relearn it from this man right here. Then he can do loads of cool dojo stuff and he could have LaRusso and Lawrence fighting for my affections for the rest of the year. And that's the only thing I want to watch ever. To be honest. <laughs> um, Speaking of revolution as well,
1: Siege, we have got five matches on the card now and I realise I'm, I'm doing something that I hate, which is possibly overloading uh, the, the pay-per-view card. But no, uh, last, so sorry. last week's show uh, went off air with Andrade stealing both TNT championships. Um, how do you see that being followed up on this week? And, and is it to set up a, a pay-per-view match between Andrade and Sami? Do you Reckon?
0: Um, uh, I can see a situation where neither the TBS nor TNT titles are defended at the pay-per-view at all. I don't know why. I just can see it. Maybe Guevara can commentate on the um, ladder match if he needs to be on the card. It just feels like putting a TNT title match between Sammy Guevara and someone on that card just makes no sense because they're not likely to win when you know you've just got a brand new like contender emerging from the ladder match. And Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idolo are having a match on Rampage this week, which will be taped tomorrow night. We um, could do Andrade versus Darby at the pay per view, but I, looking at the field and the way this is all configured, I think they're both going to be in the TNT title match. So that's the way around it. As for a qualifier, I guess Andrade will do one next week when Darby screws him. Could have Darby and Andrade doing individual um, sort of contenders matches for the ladder match. That's the way I see it playing out. I really can't see the TNT title being defended at the pay per view at all.
2: I just think the feud still feels a little bit too lightweight. I know there's a place on every wrestling show for a little bit of fun to break up all the serious storylines, um, but you have to meter that out effectively and carefully, and and thoughtfully as well. And Darby Allen and Andrade and Sammy Guevara like it doesn't feel the most thoughtful stuff. This yes they've selected wrestlers with which to position against one another in the form of Andrade and Derby at least, but I don't, it just doesn't feel pay-per-view worthy. If mm. we're talking about pay-per-views like the meritocracy that they typically are in AW for all that, like sometimes they put too much on them or whatever. The, the idea is that you, you warrant that spot on the card and not like this angle is still so lightweight that like I'm with Sidric. I'm not sure the the belt becomes a factor if Darby and if Derby and Andrade's stuff is folded into anything, make it the ladder match rather than mm. rather than just an individual single. Uh, maybe that's just me. Subjective, perhaps. I
1: just don't think it feels heated enough. I had a bit of an idea for this one. Oh, here we go. So it, it, it's mainly to just clear to up a crowd that winds me up every single week. Um, so obviously Andrade stole, as I said, both TNT championships last week. Um, but he's seen the error of his ways now, Michael Sidgwick. And uh, on Dynamite tonight, he returns the TNT Championship to Sammy Guevara. And then later on in the night, he walks out with a bag, something in it. And uh, he chats with Tony Schiavone or whatever. And uh, he pulls out of the bag the new Sonic ring for the Face of the Revolution match, which is the melted down title, the other one, so it's got all this, the sparkles and all that bollocks in. And they says, oh, Tony says, oh, I can't believe you've done this. How can you do this to, to TNT champion Sammy Guevara? He treasured that, that title. And Andrade says, <clears throat> well, I'm just not that interim.
0: Interim, you see? <laughs> He's such a cock. You are such a cock. You're a cock, you're a cock,
1: you're a cock. Still, time there's still time to do it.
0: A few hours, what I know of Adam Wilborn, right? Even though he isn't present in the office, (sighs) he's usually like a a great guy to have around in the environment for the morale, etc. etc. And then what happens is like about oh. Usually, for about uh, about two hours per day, you'll notice that's a bit uncharacteristic of Wilborn. It's like he's really in deep contemplation. <laughs> um, <laughs> he must be really grafting an adaptation or writing his notes. No, that's what he's doing. He's, uh, he's writing a joke like that. We were um, on our lunch break the other week, me and Hampton having a game of pool. And uh, Wilborn was like, Oh, sorry, lads. I'm in the break room because I really need to uh, write the song for Wrestle Kosher. <laughs> 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 looking like he was solving a really Complex mathematical equation, like the the eyes narrowed, like the brow furrowed, like just the deep look on his face. And he's just writing a song.
2: Yeah. A cover version. Staring intently, staring just intently. Yeah, but, you know, what rhymes with Stratton? Come on, guys.
1: (laughs) I just just want them to get rid of the Sammy Two Belts bollocks, basically.
2: I know you do. I know you do. Is it? So I thought of something that might make this a little bit easier on you. You know how we all really liked um, customised belts? Mm. Maybe this is Sammy's customised belts. He has two. Miro's was white in the colours of his home, like homeland and stuff. Cody's was the classic unfinished red one. Rodie Lee's was retired. Sammy's got two. That's his thing. That's his TNT title thing. It's, else the worst thing. Thing. it's the
1: worst thing that they could possibly do. <laughs> Danielson will take it off and make the strap of Burgundy.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, Now you've made it all be, better, you see. That'd be lovely.
2: Oh, we can bring back the ethical title.
0: Yes. yes. One of them. Yes, but I don't think Tony Khan wants to unwittingly portray his organisation as the heel company that Vince McMahon just decides to do without even realising it.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I like the idea of
1: Danielson winning them and going, look at all this leather. <laughs> and everything. <laughs> uh, hemp everything
0: All right, Burgundy would be nice just dyed mm-hmm. Hemp Burgundy TNT I'm Nick Friedman
1: I'm Lee Alec Murray and I'm Leah President and this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Uh, Also tonight on the show, Sige, uh, we have Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho, a face-to-face confrontation. This has been building for weeks, if not months, uh, and I've changed my mind on it recently. What about
0: yourself? I have changed my mind because the story, as AEW stories tend to do, has a middling start between the pay-per-view cycles, and then they ratchet up the tension, the conflict, the stakes, the importance, the quality deep into the pay-per-view cycle because they've got one to sell and it's all about the build, 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 and then the peak at the event itself. Not excusing two or three weeks of terrible GFY blockhead pattern, but regardless. (laughs) So I'm thinking, yes, Jericho's in a groove with this influencer character now. Eddie Kingston can read like the paper Tease a cliche and make it interesting. I'm expecting, like well, I was expecting like a genuinely world-class verbal spa because we know Jericho's got it in him. He's Chris Jericho. Eddie Kingston does world-class tweets, let alone promos. However, I'm a little bit anxious over some social media back and forth that I've seen. Um, because Eddie Kingston said something to the effect of, oh, I might make it, or something like that. And then Jericho responded, no. Well, that sounds exactly." I'm paraphrasing the life out of these guys here. Kingston said something to the effect of, oh, I might turn up, I might not. Or I'll get there when I get there or something. And Jericho in response said, oh, it sounds like you, Eddie, because you've always been lazy. And my sort of klaxon went off because (laughs) this sounds exactly like the premise for a promo battle that will never be beaten by Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston, and that is the CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. So I really hope they don't go with the top star, thinks that Eddie Kingston is lazy route, and then Eddie Kingston proves himself not to be lazy by being really motivated and putting forth an absolutely incredible bit of promotion and fight. And it's got an England oh, is that the direction you're going? Because I've seen it done better. But we shall see. Most of me thinks that this will be like incredible, like way better than the Jericho cynics will expect. But that's got a little bit of a ah, feeling. You know, that noise. Uh, there's variations that noise. What's your noise, for? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I have got, I, I think they're going to go heavy on the Heat tonight. I think Jericho is wise enough to know that that promo is going to linger, the punk one is going to linger long in people's memories, and it's not even that far removed anyway, but it's going to, like, you could be going on years and people still think of Punk Kingston and then use it as a comparison point or a jumping-off point. I think this is going to be a bit more old-school pro wrestling tonight, and Mm -hmm. after debate, discussion, and disagreement over the loyalties of Proud and Powerful, who, by the way, will have already wrestled and thus be gone or in the showers or unavailable to help, Um, Jericho is going to set Hager on Kingston and they're going to bloody him up I think last week was enough of a um, commitment to Jericho as the heel in this programme that they're going to just go with it Um, it's felt as if a Jericho heel turn has been coming and how welcome that is by the way he's looking in really good nick which suggests that maybe he's spotted, right fine I'll, I'll take this, I'll become a heel and then I'll get a renewed push as a heel as a result, you know, in good physical condition with a brand new raft of opponents to face because he's now like, he's a, he's a villain again, but it's in a totally different context how he was in 2019. So there's a ton of new ready baby faces for him to attempt to try and make that maybe he wouldn't have been able to when he was the champion or he was so important as the top star. So why not? Why not try and bloody up, uh, Eddie Kingston using Hager in really realistically one of the last effective things Hager can do, which is be Jericho's heat, Jericho's effective heater for a little bit longer until his contract, oh. until his contract expired. Yeah. Um Black like I thought that was just like
0: a comment on Hager. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I walked like sixteen thousand steps yesterday.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I'd I'd like them to um because you do expect this kind of like last word contest between these two guys, don't you? And it would be nice if they went off from that and just kept it a bit pro wrestling and the baby face was beaten down.
1: Nah, I want uh, Eddie Kingston. I want Jericho to say, yeah, maybe I I did sometimes overlook Proud and Powerful, but the inner circle's a family and we we fight in this together. And sometimes we don't play by the rules. Sometimes we uh, colour outside the lines. And Eddie Kingston says, the only time you colour outside the lines is when you're colouring your hairline in. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> weekly burial of Chris Jericho. Let's do it. Shoe season's fully open. Let's have it. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this, like you say. Uh hell uh, hell of an expectation, hell of an act to follow, like you say, with the punk kinks and stuff. But yeah, if there's two guys who who can really get it done, it's these two. And just yeah, let him go. Let him go at it, boys. Um, but yeah, Jake Hager's looking great now, isn't he? So good timing that. <laughs> All uh, right, we've got a title match tonight, Hamflet. Jay Cargill versus the Bunny for the TBS Championship. Um, Jay Cargill was on a tear recently.
2: Yeah, be sure to check the quarter hours for this because green equals cash versus big money bunny. Like the two biggest draws in AEW collides. Mega powers explode stuff, this, um, <laughs> in terms of a booking. But there's not, don't expect a lot. Keep your expectations low. Um, in terms of match quality, in terms of match length, but this is the um, this is the Jade Cargill TBS Championship run in action. Ultimately, Jade Cargill will win. She will win handily. The Bunny has exceeded expectations at points during her AEW run and has thus reached a level where you can. Imagine her in a singles match, putting up half a fight against a Cargill before Cargill dominates and plows through her. Cargill, meanwhile, is on this growth trajectory that is aided and abetted by the stat pad and wins that she got before winning the belt. And now she's going to get after them. So I don't expect, and nor should they, by the way, I don't expect to see Cargill get tested over 13 grueling minutes. And like, nor should they go down that route. I'm not proposing 60 seconds or anything. The bunny is a name, and there is a clear division between the mid-carders and the, the jobbers to the stars on in AEW. You know, it, if typically if we've never really heard their name doing a dynamite or rampage preview, they're the ones getting wrecked in a minute. This doesn't need to go like through a commercial break. Like this can go two or three, feel competitive, feel can heat, feel heated, then they can just get out of there. But if they do that, I don't think there'll be any complaints.
0: Done rightly, there's a half-decent sequence here. Cause I can't see them working a great match, but I can see them working a great sequence done rightly. My fear is that Jade is gonna completely physically annihilate the bunny. But the bunny, because she's crazy and she can't really feel much pain when she's having one of her turns, could like <laughs> no sell it for like a pop. Before eventually, like getting absolutely beaten down. So, there's a way to bring her sort of her character's particular energy into a fire up spot that would.
2: After the pump kick. So, she goes down off it, bang, but then stands up and kind of does the day's face and then just falls forward on her face.
0: The G spot, <laughs> except the bunny doing it. Look, they could do it. They genuinely could do something like that. Um, now that Jade's the charm, she can give people hope spots. Um, she can give a little bit less than she couldn't have done um, when she was getting built as this monster she's the champion now, she must give the opponent something, maybe like a mystified look on her face like the pump kick spot's great like how on earth is she no selling that and then like a roaring defiant crazy bunny standing up and just eating another one in the face and then that's the that's the win acted well there's scope for a unique hope spot here and now is the time for Jade to give the opponent something.
1: Yeah, exactly. But a time, not a match. lot,
0: not a lot though. No.
1: Um, in terms of the other uh, women's champion, of course, Sidge, uh, It's Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa at the pay per view. Something to to follow up on on last week's events
0: and and uh, really sell this match for you. Maybe, um, possibly, just a backstage segment that gets interrupted. Bringing together Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez, having a match against. Britt Baker and Jamie Hater, which Baker could force Hater to take the fall somehow by abandoning it there or not saving it accidentally on purpose, which would in turn further the Baker Hater program. I'm saying this all very like a procession of things that need to happen, but this is genuinely quite ambitious thinking by AEW. So my tone doesn't necessarily reflect the, the graph that they've put into this, quite frankly, but I. Again, the, the, the way this division has been marginalised since pretty much the first day means that this is probably going to be confined to a backstage segment, which betrays the thought that's been put into this. It's not as if there's a big match graphic on AW socials saying that Baker and Thunder Rosa come face-to-face with the contract signing. Like It hasn't been built with that much importance, so I can't receive it with that much importance. Which is a shame, really, Hamfler, because it's been
1: a hell of a journey to bring these two back together following the, the Lights Out match.
2: Yeah, it's, I think the, the consensus seems to be that this is exactly where we should be. And yet it, the, the Thunder Rosa-Britbaker match itself still feels a little bit like it's come out of nowhere because AEW got almost like tripped up on over themselves doing the distractions. So the Brit the Baker Mercedes Martinez pivot was nice, but then it still took a long time to like just thrash all that out and get, get to the point of Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Roses bit so you could get back to Thunder Rose versus Brit Baker. We're two weeks away from revolution. We're gonna get the match we want. Cedric has made a great point there that if this was as big a deal as maybe we've all fan-casted it at points, AW would be showing us that. That's not to say that won't necessarily happen on Rampage on next week's Dynamite. Like, nothing, I guess, nothing elevates the stakes of something like a huge angle on the go-home show, and AW still does go-home shows the way they're supposed to be done. So, Britt Baker and Thunder Rose's final face-off next week on Dynamite would give it the gravitas it needs. But I like that tag match as well. Like, it felt like they were building to it last week. It's... I'm not comparing the two, not at this point, not anymore. But if you do the tag match of Baker and Hater versus Martinez and Thunder Rosa, it's like a um, wish version of what's happened with MJF and Wardlow. You've got this bigger angle happening in the right now where there's a smaller one taking place that's going to be there for you after the fact. So if and when Britt Baker has lost to Thunder Rosa, as we've kind of always known she would do, because it was it was always just going to be when Thunder Rosa finally gets a chance, she'll beat her. You go straight into Baker and Jamie Hayter. So I would quite like that tag match to happen, because it, the timing of it right now is perfect. They could, and maybe they will, with an interview and with a graphic. Maybe they'll announce that for Rampage. I think that would slot in quite neatly on Rampage. You saw the seeds of a, of a fatal divide between Baker and Hater, and then you move to the big contract signing face-off on next week's
1: Dynamite. Uh, we'll get to MJF in a second, uh, but we also have uh, the team of Penter and Pack. The return of maybe a different Penta, you could say Hamlet uh, against. Uh, I've called them a different name every bloody week. I want to say their house of black. The what are they called the kings of the black yeah the kings of the
0: black throne, throne honouring the house of black. Yeah. And also, and also, <laughs> I like honouring it now. I think it's quite cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But also that one week where the graphics department called them the knights of the black throne because no one was paying any attention. Regardless, Hamlet. Um, like I say, we've got the sort of return of a changed uh, Penta El Zero Miedo uh, and potentially, I suppose, the, the debut tonight of the former Buddy Murphy. Now, I think his name is Buddy Matthews. Yeah, Um g- greatly excited for the debut of Buddy Murphy. I don't need to see
2: the type of videos they've been using to build him, but I want to watch the things they <laughs> have. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's the case with a lot of House of Black stuff. Like... Me and Sidgwick, in total agreement that this team was going to rule, we need zero law to make that so. Just look at them both. They look like perfect tag team partners, out of the box ready um, to be a brilliant tag team that wreck everybody. But the law is a bit heavy-handed. The same here for Buddy Murphy. Look, there's storyline, um, there's continuity, I guess, existing between the two. They spent. The, they were in the same prison together because they both escaped. Yeah. So we, uh, but there was, was there not... Um, did, am I remembering this right? Did Alistair Black not try and lure um, Buddy Murphy away from Seth Rollins' crew? Was that their law together in WWE? Buddy Murphy was sad, and they had a feud over it. Something like that. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's you know, they can play off like the Buddy Murphy was was lost, and he went looking for help, and he found it in the House
1: um, <laughs> Was he lost after he broke up with Aleister Mysterio? Yeah, that'll be it. That'll be it. Um, I am piss bored
2: of Penta and Pack messing on with the House of Black at this point, if I'm if I'm brutally honest. As good as I expect the perspective quality of this match is, I am just over this storyline. Pac getting his sight back. Penta being a changed man. And let's get Buddy Murphy debut. Let's make the House of Black look even stronger as a stable, and let's get forward to making the other tag teams feel scared of the House of Black eventually getting round to getting them. <sighs>
0: I'm into this. There's two weird things that possibly shouldn't be happening at the same time, but it's very the worst of AEW for this to happen. Teasing the debut of Buddy Matthews and teasing Pentagon Dark coming back, that neither team can therefore lose. Mm. Shouldn't this be spaced out a little bit? But regardless, I'd... Don't know what's going to happen until it happens, but as a preview of my initial forecast is, feels a little bit rushed. You could do those things separately. Or you could basically have Pentagon Dark, his changed ways, his evil, Mm -hmm. and his renewed strength, winning against the freaking House of Black. When they are defeated, you can defeat the Kings, but the house always wins, and then Buddy Matthews. So you have your cake and eat it too. You get Pentagon Dark over, but you get a new thing for him to do to get Phoenix back in when Buddy Matthews debuts. So I'm kind of into all of this. When they first did this match, they are a prevailing opinion. I don't want to speak for a handful, but I think we both were in the same sort of headspace of, ah, that's good but like, look at that graphic, it could be awesome but I think the reason why it was just oh that was good, it's because they knew they were going to do this so they were saving mm-hmm. themselves for it I don't necessarily like that at all, um, a card Omega 1 literally changed everything have the best goddamn match you could possibly have and then just do it better the next time but <laughs> we, are, we are spoiled ambassadors so I expect this match to be a lot better maybe not for the right reasons of being a little bit cynical in the first one a little bit tight, a little bit stingy um, but yeah, I expect um, Pentagon Dark, whatever he's going to be known as, is literally Underground character basically to win, and then but the house always winning allows Buddy Murphy's to uh, Buddy Matthews to come back. I'll tell you what, I'm into the idea of House of Black versus Death Triangle as a trios match. Yeah, I'm not into the idea massively of Buddy Matthews being involved in AEW. It's one thing to say he was vastly underutilized by WWE, which he was, but like he lo- he's look, he's looking too big he's looking far too muscled and the few things I've seen of him since he left WWE seem quite labored the way he's not really throwing that body of his around explosively like he used to. Um, it's not as if he's got this buzz either from like the, from the independent scene. Like I've seen and heard more from someone like a speedball Bailey, who's mm. just being amazing on the indies. Um, Buddy Murphy, the former Buddy Murphy, is not getting anywhere near the amount of, like, this guy should be signed to AEW yesterday, buzz. So I'm waiting to be impressed by our yeah, massively of the trios, match.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the House of Black wins, uh, maybe through the help of, of Buddy Matthews, uh, to possibly set up... Like I haven't seen anything about Murphy since he left, left WWE, basically. But, uh, like, um, in my head... Uh, A pack versus Murph Matthews uh, singles match could be spectacular. So I think maybe that factors into the finish and then you don't have the changed pant pen to having to eat the loss. But like you say, it's just a lot in one match sort of getting crammed in together here. Uh, Finally, Sidge for the, quite possibly the first time ever, we had a speechless MJF uh, CM Punk revealed last week. He wants a dog collar match at revolution. Um, How do you think he's going to respond to Punk's challenge now, having had a
0: week to sort of mull it over? I think the way to do it is to remind people that MGF, when he's pushed and when he has to prove something, can get bloodied up, he can be nasty. Even though the production element of the blood and guts finish was decidedly not ideal in storylines, he did it, he push someone off a cage and ostensibly tried to end their career. Pick a different angle this time, fellas, but replay <laughs> that footage or remind people that, yes, he seemed a little bit, you could no sell it. He's a heel, but you could say something to the effect of, you might think that I'm afraid of a little bit of blood. I'm afraid of you or whatever, but look what I've done in the past. And then just cut an impassioned promo about how he's not just some coward who likes to stab part as his record. He can do blood and guts. He can do these things. Um, he's never been cleanly defeated. All this kind of stuff that he can keep in reserve to credibly put himself forward as someone who can fight in a stip match, draw on blood and guts, but in the least um, insulting way. If only Jericho had a, like. If only Jericho had a done a better job selling the fall. Or frankly, if only Tony like Tony can't book him to come back that week. We always take the piss out of Jericho. For coming back after seven days and whatever. Tony totally can't book that. Like, it's not a Jericho thing. So it's not ideal that it was so rushed and a bit backwards. But yeah, if they can, if anyone can style MJF doing what he did in the storyline and making it mean more than it did a Blood and Guts, it's MJF himself.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of, I don't think at this point, because MJF has like responded with complete silence and you have to believe in character, his motivation is, right, I need to go and think very carefully before I speak. Normally, I don't have to. I can run my mouth confidently and competently, but he's got me here. I don't, I don't like this. I've got to take seven days to think about what I'm going to say. And I think an MJF that takes seven days to think about what he's going to say is a guy that comes back with more hubris and bluster than ever. One of my favourite ever MJF promos was short on zingers, but just... Was the completion of the match that I think made him, which was that post-match one he cut after the Derby Allemone. one. You could feel the energy radiating out of him. A man that believed he was the best in the world. Now, of course, that was all quite gently and nicely teasing this eventual feud that we're in now with CM Punk. But summon that, summon that energy. And you know, use little storyline drivers such as I've beaten you twice and you want to tie yourself to me, you know, like you realize what you're tying yourself to. All that kind of thing, but then just MJF as he's not just got the next level, he's got about seven levels that he can go to and go up a few levels as if to like not so much punk put punk on the back foot because AEW knows how to book their baby faces, but to remind Punk that there are two people in this war. Punk's not going there, he's not, you know, dog collaring himself to an inanimate object. He's tying himself to somebody that's gonna fight back. And this is possibly the week for MJF to do that. There's going to be a dig, of course. There's going to be some sort of neg or there's going to be some sort of refusal to acknowledge how vital Wardlow was to him winning the last time. Something that we can all enjoy from MJF because he's a heel. But you can do weeks where somebody just takes something incredibly seriously. And maybe that's one of the ways in which I said last week, I thought Punk did an awesome job considering how much plunder there is in AEW. Did an awesome job of making the dog collar hit different. Yeah. We've had lights out matches. We've had no holds bars, all the rest of it. Some, like, how we made that collar look like this is going to be the most bloodthirsty fight of anyone's life was quite amazing. Kind of takes MJF to do his bit in that as well.
1: Could have uh, Sean Spears come out with an invisible dog lead this week. Yeah. Oh, he likes you. Oh. that's not on <laughs> that's the rhyme in the rampage rap that you're trying not to giggle at dick I can't wait to see what he says I'm not even going to attempt to predict it because like you say
0: throw some of the pots then Faith.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't even dare try it I've got an invisible dog leader. <laughs> Larry stuff <laughs>
1: Uh, right, let us know your thoughts, heads of uh, AEW Dynamite tonight on Twitter at whatculturewwe. And why what say, you can follow all three of us, you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet, you can follow Michael Sidgwick at Michael. M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at what Culture, WWE as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Our review of this show will be out tomorrow. Uh, and, of course, our review of NXT 2.0 from earlier on today is available right now. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.